0: You know, we've really kind of got only a few options when we hit capacity limits. Uh, The first option is um, that there's a diminishing of the quality of the work that we do or the ministry that we do. The second option is that there's a diminishing of the output. We start to pull back and, you know, I can't do this and I can't do that. And the third option is, um, you know, we burn out, you know, and we become fatigued. And if, if we can't implement strategies to ensure that Those three outcomes don't take place, then I think, you know, uh, it will get the better of us. But I I truly believe that, um, you know, with God's help and with wisdom and and strategies in terms of effective delegation and recognizing giftings and abilities and others, you know, we can hold those tensions and still deliver quality output uh, and ministry.
1: Welcome to the Hacker Podcast. Today we had Greg Wilmont back on the podcast. He goes into detail on how to balance ministry, career, and family. Stick around for his tips at the end. We have a number of new exciting guests coming onto the podcast in the coming weeks. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts so you get them as soon as they come out. You'll also want to check out our YouTube channel where we are posting unique clips along with the long form episodes. Now let's get to the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah,
0: it's great to be back and first time with both of you here and <laughs>
1: all of the <laughs> equipment's <It's> exciting. Yeah, <laughs> got the cameras. It took us about um, I don't know three days to set up. So uh, hopefully we make it worth it over <laughs> over the next forty or so minutes. Ah, it's very impressive. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Stefan and I had a, a great weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, church and there was a game on. Was it, was it Sunday? What? what? I don't know, it felt like the entire weekend though. Yeah, uh, was it the Dragons beat the, the Broncos? Broncos? Uh, Broncos, Broncos. That's your team, right? I had oh. an amnesia
0: diagnosis on, <laughs> on Monday, so I have no idea what you're talking about. But I do remember July. <laughs> remember July,
1: boys? What happened in July? Uh, Independence Day. <laughs> yes, we <were> uh, <laughs> July Fourth. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. okay. That's the only day we remember in the Look, entire. Month the of the
0: Bible says you reap what you sow, <laughs> and I sowed a lot of animus from 2009 <laughs> to 2017, and it's coming
1: uh, back to me uh, now. Uh, so okay. I accept it. You know, it's all good. Uh, well, it's uh, it's great to have you back on the podcast, and, and anyone who's not a Australian has absolutely no idea what we just <laughs> talked about, but uh, I- anyway, it's great to have you back on. And, and we wanted to have you on to talk specifically about this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about bivocational ministry, Yeah. and uh, you know yourself, you're, you're very involved at your local church, in the national church, but also you have a, a great career. And so somehow you're able to balance that along with the family. I <laughs> can't forget that. <laughs> Three kids. Yes. And, uh, but you've got all of these different things pulling at you, and, and you're a volunteer mm-hmm. when it comes to national leadership. And uh, it's shocking for some Americans. You're the national youth president, and you're you're doing it on a volunteer basis. And then you're the youth pastor here at the POS, volunteer basis as, as well. So I think there aren't many people more qualified than you to talk about by vocational ministry. So, if you wouldn't mind um, setting the stage and getting us started on 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 the topic here today,
0: yeah. So, uh, thanks for framing that up, and and I would agree. You know, when I came to the church, I I kind of um, a lot of the mentors that I saw and the the people I looked up to at that time were full time in ministry and my formative years, I kind of thought that that was the, you know, the goal to always be in full-time ministry. And look, you know, at some point in my life, I would like to, but, you know, for myself, um, you know, I, you know, went to university and and got a job and I thought to myself, you know, before those doors open, I'm going to do the best that I can in, you know, that my secular endeavors. And so, yeah, I kind of have you know, found a way to be involved um, as much as I can in the ministry. And I feel you know, obviously that's my primary calling and a great sense of satisfaction. But I also enjoy my secular endeavors and, I, and, and the studies that I've done. And so for me, I I you know, kind of, I suppose, revisited those initial thoughts I had around having to be in full-time ministry. And I've learned to embrace and enjoy this season of holding those tensions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really taught me a lot you know, in those years, for sure.
1: Yeah, and and um, like we mentioned, you know, you're kind of on the extreme scale, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of things that people can take out of this because pretty much everyone who listens to the podcast, like vast, vast majority, would yeah. be on a volunteer basis. They're not really getting paid yeah. to to do kingdom work, as you say. Um, so I think a lot of what you share today is going to be very applicable. Um, so you mentioned at the outset that uh, vocational ministry has a precedent in the actual in the Bible. Yeah. You know, because obviously not all the the men of God in the New Testament were paid staff at a church. That's <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely. You know, obviously being by vocational I've you know Drawn encouragement. We know that you know Paul was a tent maker even after his salvation experience, and the apostles had you know varied skill sets. And even now, I listened to a recent uh, podcast from Sister Tenille Walia and she was talking about you know the career and the um, uh, ministerial involvement that she has. and And I think that um, you know there is precedent. And I suppose what I've learned in more recent years is you don't have to accept that um, you know bivocational ministry. Um, means that there has to be a diminishing of quality and a diminishing of output, and that's what I'm really passionate about. Is those strategies you can put in place as a bivocational minister to ensure that your involvement doesn't have to be jeopardized by your, you know, secular work. Yeah,
1: yeah, because you can often, I guess, uh, make excuses. I know it's kind of, it sounds a bit harsh coming from someone like myself who ha- has had has been able to, you know, work full time for yeah. the church for the last. 13 or so years, but, um, but oftentimes, you know, that I, I hear that often. It's like, Oh, I can't get that done because I have to work. And, um, I just think you're proof positive that that doesn't have to become an excuse. And that's what we're going to talk about here today, that, that there are ways to work around that, that, that though, there might be obstacles in your way. That doesn't mean that it it has to be something that hinders what you're doing in the kingdom of God and, and what God wants to do through his church. Yeah, I'd I'd agree 100%, you
0: know, and I think that, you know, as we start to approach capacity, and I think that's going to be a a theme for today is is what to do when we hit capacity is, um, you know, we've really kind of got only a few options when we hit capacity limits. Uh, The first option is um, that there's a diminishing of the quality of the work that we do or the ministry that we do. The second option is that there's a diminishing of the output. We start to pull back and, you know, I can't do this and I can't do that. And the third option is, um, you know, we burn out, you know, and we become fatigued. And if if we can't implement strategies to ensure that those three outcomes don't take place, then I think, you know, uh, it will get the better of us. But I I truly believe that, um, you know, with God's help and with wisdom and, and strategies in terms of effective delegation and recognizing giftings and abilities and others, you know, we can hold those tensions and still deliver quality output uh, and ministry. So, yeah, that's been a, a real journey for me in the more recent years, for sure. Yeah.
1: Did that journey ever start? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about like when that journey first start. Was it difficult to kind of balance both of them at the same time? You know, was it a learning process throughout it all?
0: Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you kind of framed the question that way because um, I think oftentimes, especially for those. That do hold those secular roles and have ministry involvement, we can kind of um, bring the thinking from that secular world um, into our ministry involvement. And by that, I mean this: that you know, uh, in the the companies that I've worked for, I often hear conversations about how to make yourself redundant-proof. You know, when there's restructures that take place, and and the popular belief is that if you're the busiest person in the room, if you're doing the most. You know, if there's ever a restructure or, or you know, whatever they're assessing value, the people that are least busy are the ones that are going to get let go. Right. And sometimes, you know, in all honesty, we can kind of have that thinking in our kingdom work. It's like to show my value, I've got to work myself to the bone and be the busiest person in the room. But But actually, if that's what we do, you know, over an extended period of time, if you're working at absolute capacity, in my experience, bro – it costs you creativity. Yeah. It costs you freshness. It's it's a burden. It's no longer um, a joy. And you know, recently Sister Vani Marshall came here and she was talking about that. She was saying that she didn't want to have that feeling of work, work, work. Mm. She wanted that feeling of flow, flow, flow. Yeah, and so I good. and I thought that was so powerful. And I think that you know, as we weigh up these tensions, if we can be strategic. And secure enough in ourselves to delegate these things effectively, and and the work that goes behind ministry, we can hold the tensions and remain fresh and remain creative and not feel like it's a burden. You know,
1: yeah. yeah. So for those are at home who are uh, trying to figure out these strategies, yeah, can, are you able to provide maybe an example? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: and, uh, in terms of, like, delegation? Just, yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I think for me, um, you know, Brother Greg, you alluded to earlier um, my involvement with the National Youth uh, Division in this nation. Um, what I have learned as it re- relates to delegation is that there's a, there's a delegation of workload, but there's also, you know, a delegation of skill set. You know, sometimes we've reached capacity and we need, you know, help in carrying the load um but we can't just throw that on anybody especially Mm. if that if you're providing a a role or a or a task that's not suitable to that person we're not just offloading work or offloading a skill set when it comes to effective delegation and the example i'll give you is uh, for the national youth department i think it would have been around 2017 just after i kind of came in um I was wanting, I'd been inspired by our church and the social media presence that our church had. And I was thinking, you know, about, um, you know, having something built up for our national department. And at that time, I'd seen um, a young man in Canberra, you you would know as, we all know as Morty, his name's Daniel Morton Jones. And I really saw a creative flair in him. You know, and so I spoke to his pastor and then spoke to him about getting involved in terms of, um, you know, building that social media presence. And that wasn't a capacity delegation because, you know, as it relates to social media, it's not like I was I was doing it. It's not my skill set, as you know. It was a skill set that was being delegated because I'd recognized the creativity in him and, a, and an interest. Mm. And so, you know, he took that on board and I think we can all agree that, you know, the output, has been the, from a volume perspective incredible but more so from a just a the work is incredible you know that uh, social media presence has been built remarkably well and yeah he's amazing yeah he's, he's incredible and you know so i think you know to your question there um brother stefan it's it's delegating um based on aptitude and skill set and interest as well right. you know because again if i tried to uh, build that <laughs> disaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, or if I gave it to a random person just because I was at capacity and I mm. was just frustrated and I want to get rid of it, also a disaster. But but taking my time and seeking God for the right person and strategically offloading that was significant and very important for the success of the department
1: and that particular element of the ministry. I, I think it's really important that you highlighted that last bit there um, when you're talking about offloading mm-hmm. based on, uh, not based on capacity. You know, it's like oftentimes when people want to offload and, and this could be anyone, this could be someone in paid ministry as mm-hmm. well, like a pastor, they'll reach, they'll, they'll cover everything that they possibly can. They'll get to a limit. And then it's like, okay, well I can't do anything more. Yeah. So the next available task, you're doing that. And no matter how unimportant or important it is, whether, as you said, whether the person is skilled to cover that or not, it's like, well, that's the thing that's front of mind, so I'm just going to hand it off to the next person.
0: Absolutely right, and and if someone's hit capacity, and there was an additional task, that may have been something that that person w- would be capable in doing, but there was mm-hmm. just simply no capacity for them mm-hmm. to do that, you know. And so I think I think that's a really important, really important point there that um, you know we've got to be strategic in doing that and not just uh, pass something off mm-hmm. uh, because we're you know working to the bone and got nothing left in us. Um, and the other thing as well is, and, and I've learnt this myself, um, is I find for me um, as a leader of the department here in Sydney, at the POS or nationally, when I'm in the minutia or in mm-hmm. the details, in the weeds of everything, I can't be creative and i I can't think ahead yeah you know i I find it so hard to think ahead and you know in my role i'm thinking about a youth convention in 2024 or the year after that and when i'm being buried by you know the tasks of today and i'm at capacity in that regard i find it really hard to be you know creative and Mm. to think ahead and i think for leaders that that understanding that i don't have to be the busiest person every single day but I do need to cast vision. I do need to think ahead, and I can't do that if I'm literally being buried by things that are outside of my skill set, um, and and are forcing me to work at capacity constantly.
1: Yeah, yeah Sister Marshall mentioned that as well. And yeah. in In um, I think it was episode seventy-five when we just sat down and chatted with her about different topics. And oh no, sorry, no, it was in the mental health, yeah, the mental health one. She was talking about how as ministers and as leaders, we feel like we have to be, we have to be full on. All the time, or else we're not doing anything for the kingdom of God, and I think that's so important that that you highlight that that it's uh, strategic, yeah, in in the delegation that we're doing, and and um, that we. Don't become micromanagers. Like it, it, the worst thing you could possibly do is if you're delegating off to someone and then you become a micromanager of the thing you've delegated. So you've probably actually created more work for yourself because yeah. you're spending so much time following up and doing all of that. And, and and that approach is not scalable.
0: Mm. You know, like you just mentioned that, you know, delegate than micromanage. There's only so many minutes in the day. And, mm. you know, we think of churches and we all want to see spiritual growth, numerical growth of the church. And, you know, uh, that's not scalable behavior because if you are at capacity because you're micromanaging 10 people, then if that church grows to a hundred or 200 Mm -hmm. or 400, it's just simply not scalable behavior. And I think as, as a leader, it's important that when we do delegate, we cast an eye over it, we get updates and we, and we stay across it, but we don't, um, immerse ourselves so deeply in that that we can't scale when we have growth and I think that that's something that um you know I've learned over time as well look at Pastor Harvey our pastor here you know he's 500 chairs in this place you know if he was uh, in the business of like micromanaging the life of 500 people he wouldn't sleep at night you know and I think that you know scalable behavior is strategically delegating based on you know capacity limits, but skill sets, and then allowing people, empowering people to operate in that, and, mm-hmm. and having confidence in the work they do.
1: Well, and also be- because he, uh, talking about our our pastor, yeah. because he was in the mode of delegating and has been for a number of yeah. years now, then he has the opportunity to step into a role like being general superintendent of the upca if if he wasn't delegating and he had to be across everything all the time it it would be a disaster having to scale up for him and and do such a a take on a bigger role on top of what he's already doing you know
0: yeah absolutely true and so his ability to delegate you know even in, in this church here and empower and in trust has been something that's benefited him obviously as he's been able to you know move into other roles and 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 you know, be involved in different parts of ministry, but also the development for the people underneath him. You know what I mean? Like, because if if I'm the type of leader, or if we're the type of leaders that can't delegate or or provide, allow other people to be involved in certain areas, we're stifling them. Mm. You know, we're preventing them from exercising or, or or mastering a certain skill or being involved in kingdom work. And so, you know, if we want to. Uh, literally grow teams and, and make ourselves replaceable eventually uh, by p- from people coming underneath us developing skills. We have to empower them and we have to allow them to operate in that. And I think that's one of our pastors' great skills, is that um, you know he's cheering on the next generation, but he's not scared to provide opportunity and allow them to operate in their gift and their skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: So Greg, we just talked about delegation and how it kind of frees up capacity. Yeah, uh, but I'm curious once capacity is freed. What do you do during your day-to-days that can um, help you balance out your um, uh, ministry?
0: Yeah. Great question. You know, on a day-to-day basis, I think it's really important for people in bivocational ministry um, to be aware, acutely aware of their calendar, mm-hmm. to know... Um,
1: My the, wife will love that answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, Sister Stephanie's. A, yeah. I mean,
0: she could be doing this podcast, you know, yeah. someone that's always worked and been heavily involved in ministry. Um, maybe we can you can come on as well, <laughs> um, but but I think you know being aware of of your capacity in the short term, you know um, uh, what responsibilities you have today and in the next couple of days, because you know ministry often does require daily tasks, and if we're not acutely aware of of our requirements today and in the next few days, um, things can get missed. And so I think having an acute awareness of of what is required of me from my secular role, what is required of me from my ministry involvements and being transparent with those in your team. You know, there'll be times when I'll contact someone in the youth team and say, listen, um, I've got a crazy couple of days here. There's a few tasks. Can you help me with this? Um, Or, you know, uh, like that's a capacity conversation uh, but even like from a skill set perspective you know um, if I have someone that's doing something in the social media space I'll be like listen I'm, I'm really tied down next couple of days um, just let me know if you have any issues in this space but I'm just going to trust that it's going to be done or a conversation like that where you need to be aware of your calendar and to know how much available time that you have I think that's a really critical key from a day-to-day basis. The second point or tip would be in to really know the people you lead. Mm. You know, like yeah, um so important. they say, you know, they say a shepherd needs to smell like sheep. Mm. Um and and I think that um to be a good shepherd, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um that's but right. I yeah, did I get that one right? Yeah, yeah that's good. good. Um <laughs> but to know those that you lead, um, to know their interests, you know, the amount of times that I have had a conversation with someone involved in ministry, and I've just been completely unaware of their hobbies and interests that can be significant in the kingdom of God. You know, of a Sunday we have so many people used here and I'll just see them operate and be like, wow, I never knew they, they did that yeah. or they had that skill in them. And so I think as it relates to leading teams and, and delegating uh, not just tasks, but but skills. Knowing the people that you lead, the talents they have. Are they creative? Are they tremendous organizers? Are they administrative in nature? Are they inspirational? And then obviously, accordingly, a uh, delegate accordingly based on those. So that's the second one. The third one is to know our red flags. You know, this is a a purely capacity tip, which is that I think we all have behaviours that manifest when we've hit capacity. You know, um, you know, my wife can see when I've kind of hit that capacity, when we're sort of redlining. you know, when we're revving out, you know, beyond 5,000 revs. And, and so I think we need to be acutely aware of those behaviors. You know, as I said, I I believe that when we hit capacity, we're no longer as effective in casting vision, in thinking creatively and thinking with a fresh mind. And when I get stuck in that firefighting mode, putting out fires, I lose my ability to lead well and right. so I think having the awareness those red flags of okay I've hit a capacity limit here and just that self-awareness piece is really critical so yeah. i that's the third one
1: and that and, like that translates across so many disciplines not just spiritual involvement but like you know if you're like someone like yourself, you know, weight training. If you, if you get to the point where you're redlining, yeah, y- you're not going to, you're not going to have good workouts. You're going to have bad workouts and, and you're not going to continue to develop your strength. You're not going to continue to grow because you're consistently, um, hitting capacity. And so then your body just naturally just, um, Pulls back. Yeah, At it's just doing more harm than good.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, absolutely, and, and and then working out becomes a burden, and then you stop working out, you know, and 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 again, ministry. I think if we're exposed to that red line capacity limit for an extended period of time, you don't want to do it anymore.
1: Mm. Yeah, it leads to yeah, burnout.
0: It does. Yeah, it leads yeah. to burnout, yeah. and it's not enjoyable. And you know, I didn't have this prepared, but you know, permission to rest mm. for some personalities is really hard. You know, your type A personalities' permission to rest can be a foreign concept, but honestly, it's so critical because, you know, that time that you take to rest makes the time that you're not resting so much more efficient Mm. and and the output so much better. And so if there's any type A's out there or people that are quite intrinsically motivated, you know, be disciplined. To give yourself permission to rest. Yeah. And I think that's a Scheduling really important piece. Yeah, exactly. Egg. Yeah. <laughs> Put it in your Google in Calendar. calendar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and like I said, for some people, that's hard. For some people, they're not comfortable unless they're doing something. Yeah, true. Um, but, I'm kinda you know, like that. Yeah, yeah you know, but um, but permission to rest is a really big one. So that'd be my four tips. So to summarize, being aware of your calendar, acutely aware of, of your calendar, knowing the people you lead, um, recognizing those red flags. Um, and, and, of course, the most important element is, you know, the constancy of those spiritual pillars in your life. Mm. You know, again, going back to those personality types that are quite organized and delegate, often leaders have these traits is we can be more motivated by ticking off a task list than by spending time with God in prayer, reading the Word, and those, and those other spiritual disciplines. And so, again, for me, when that begins to wane, it impacts my thinking. I feel as though I'm not um, uh, leading as well when I'm not connected to God. I don't have those disciplines in my life. So again, back to those type A's, build it in your calendar. Uh, it's so critical, uh, again, because there's many great people that I've spoken to who are mightily used of God that have admitted to me that um, those spiritual disciplines um, are sometimes not as natural to them as you know marking off those t- that task list. And being disciplined in that space, I think, is so critical because, again, um, you know, this is a spiritual um, calling, you know, and so if we're not connected to the spirit. I think
1: with that, like in what you just mentioned there, I think sometimes that difficulty lies in the fact that um, results aren't noticeably tangible. Yeah, Like, you know, um, it kind of leads me to, there is this, I think it was Simon Sinek was talking about. Have you seen this where he's talking about like brushing your teeth, mm-hmm. and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, the dentist recommends you. You've heard this one, yeah. yeah, where the dentist recommends like two minutes of brushing your teeth every single day, and you brush your teeth for two minutes, no result. You know, I think it's twice a day. You you brush your teeth one day, two minutes, twice a day, no result. Two days, but over time, at some point, there is. It's been scientifically proven that there is change that takes place, and so I think applying that to spiritual disciplines can really help us. Um, especially as you we're, we're harping on the type As uh, but that could really help them
0: for sure and and again we don't engage with these spiritual disciplines necessarily to have better output or to be better leaders. We do it because we want to connect with God mm-hmm. but honestly you know anybody out there that's read the word or had a you know been in a time of fasting or a time of prayer your entire day changes mm-hmm. the way you respond to people changes. I notice for myself, I'm less irritable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more patient with people, and so, like you know, like I said, we we pray, we fast, we read the word to connect with God, but it actually makes us a better leader. Yeah. It makes us a better communicator, and, and it makes us, I believe, um, a better visionary mm-hmm. um, and, and a better leader of people. And so, yeah, so critical that we don't forget that element. And you know, the irony here is that sometimes when we come to god those spiritual disciplines uh, we're hungry for them but the longer we spend involved in ministry uh, it, it actually can require more discipline for us to be mm-hmm. constant in those in those in those pillars you know so that would be my tips and i think um you know hopefully those are helpful to people out there
1: uh, this has been a great conversation and, and we're so grateful for you coming in and and, and uh leading us in this conversation and sharing some of the things that you've learned along the way in your journey, in your um, development across the years as a vocational minister. minister, I'm sure so many people got something out of this today. I mean, I don't know how, how you couldn't, but um, we want to give you an opportunity. Is there any final parting word that you'd like to leave us with as we finish up today?
0: Yeah. Thanks for that. And, and thank you guys for the honor of being here. It's been wonderful to see, you know, uh, the explosion of this ministry. It's just, I think it's tremendous. My final words would be, you know, uh, your involvement in the ministry, you don't have to be the busiest person in the room. Um, You know, you cannot be made redundant in the kingdom of God. And so that mindset of I'm busy to protect my place is not something that you need to have in, in the things of God. But in fact, having the security and the confidence in your calling to recognize but then allow other people to grow um, through involvement in the ministry is a critical element for quality output, a spirit of excellence but also your preservation as a leader as a, as a soldier in the kingdom of God and so my final word would be there's nothing wrong with delegating based on the skills of those around you in fact it's a necessity that you would continue to be fresh, clear thinking um, and, and maintain a desire to be involved in the things of God so you know, I just want to encourage you out there um, that these are critical skills and there's nothing wrong if you do that because in, in fact it's going to be uh, there to ensure your longevity and quality output in the things of God.